Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at www.cwcsj.org for service times and directions. Awaken to purpose. Everyone say that with me. Awaken to purpose. God has a purpose for your life. And I need you to understand that not only does he have a purpose for your life, but that the word purpose literally means this. Purpose means the original intent for a thing. Excuse me. The original intent for a thing. God has an original intent that God we established last Sunday never creates anything on accident. Everything has a purpose. So even if you don't know why something exists, there's still a purpose for it. And so the fact that you are here and breathing is proof positive that you have a purpose. Somebody say amen. Amen. And so what's your purpose? It's the original intent or design that God had in mind for your life. And so Miles Monroe said this, and he's been messing me up. In fact, pretty much everything you're going to hear me say for the next few weeks is going to come something from him. Okay? So instead of saying Miles Monroe said this, Miles said this, Miles said that, just know that I got most of the stuff that I'm sharing with you on purpose from Miles and a few of the things from the Purpose Driven Life from Rick Warren as well. But I I, I don't want to stand here and act like this is all my revelation, but this is something that God is, is pouring in me. And you cannot own something until you understand it. You can't say that you know something until you can teach it. And so... I'm not going to release any revelation to you until it becomes mine. Are you following me? I can't give you something until it becomes mine. They may have taught it, but once I assimilate it and it becomes part of my philosophy and my structure and my life, now it's mine. Are you following me? This cannot be someone else's philosophy for your life. The kingdom is God's idea. Purpose is God's idea. And so it's not something that we teach. It has to become something that you own. So every word I say has to become yours. You got to take notes. You got to take time to take notes. In fact, next year... For the Dominion series that we're going to start, we're going to be ordering new journals that we're going to have available in the back. So the whole year you can take sermon notes on one journal. And you can have that and you can hold on to it. And every Sunday, expect to see you to bring your journal with you so you have something to follow along with. Miles Monroe said this, the greatest tragedy of life is not death, but it's life without purpose. The greatest tragedy in life is not death. But it's life without a purpose. And so I need you to understand that the graveyards are the most valuable or most rich soil in all the world. The richest soil is not, and I love that, that show Gold Rush. Don't, don't judge me, okay? But every Friday night I'll be in front of the TV seeing if these guys have found gold. I think we should all be gold miners. I think we should be looking for gold in every person in the dirt bags that we run into in life. The 
The gold mines in Africa are not the richest soil. The oil wells in the Middle East are not the richest soil. The richest soil are the graveyards throughout the world. Why? Because it's the graveyards that are filled with unlived dreams. Graveyards are filled with unwritten books, unsung songs, unwritten poetry. The graveyards are filled with unstarted businesses, unacted plays, unshot movies. It's it's the graveyards that are filled with unfound cures. It's the graveyards that are filled with unhealed relationships and unreleased potential. The graveyards where people had an idea, had a cure, had something in their mind, but they never had the guts to go after their purpose. What am I telling you? The greatest tragedy of our life is to die with something in us. For you to die with still something inside you. I don't want to die with another sermon still in me. I don't want to die if there's a book that needs to come out. I don't want to die if there is a compliment I need to give to my children. I need to die. You and I both need to die empty. In fact, when Jesus died on the cross, what did he say? What were one of his last words? It is finished. Not I am finished. Jesus didn't cease being. His work was completed. When Jesus said it is finished, he was saying, I'm empty. I'm empty. I did it all. Everything I was supposed to do, I completed it. I need you to understand that when we stand over you and it's time to say goodbye to you and we're we're eulogizing you, I want to be able to stand over you and say, this person here, they accomplished everything God intended them to do. Let's die empty. Let's leave it on the field. Let's give everything we got. Don't hold back. If there's a book in you, if there's a business in you, if there's an idea in you, if there's a family in you, if there's something in you, get it out. Get it out. You were born for a purpose. See, life without purpose becomes motion without progress. Life without purpose is motion without progress. We're, we're just, we're active, and some of us are so busy. Man, you got something going on on Monday, something going on on Tuesday, something going on on Wednesday. You got this going on on Thursday, this going on on Friday, this going on on Saturday, and then Sunday. You are so busy. Listen, busyness doesn't equal purpose. You could just be a busy, unproductive human being. It's not about being busy. It's about being purposeful. Oh, I hope, I don't know if you're getting, I want to just walk up to some of you, just open your heads right now and just pour this stuff into you to try to get you to understand that you were born for a purpose. And I need you to grab a hold of this this morning. In his best-selling book, Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren states this, that you were born on a purpose for a purpose. You were born on purpose for a purpose. That every one of us on this earth has a purpose. There is no such thing as an accident in the kingdom of God. You see, before your parents got together, you were created in the mind of God. Before you even came about, God thought of you. Your parents didn't create you. 
God did. I'm going to get to that in a moment, but hang with me on this, okay? You see, I need you to recognize, and we established last week that God is a God of purpose. Everything he does, he does with a purpose. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, he's right. Turn to the other person and say, he's really right. Okay? Proverbs chapter 21, I want you to take a look at this. Proverbs 21, verse 19 says this, or 1921 says this. You may make many plans, but the Lord's purposes will prevail. You may make many plans, but the Lord's purposes will prevail. Let, let me explain it this way. What are we talking about? We all make plans for our life. I'm going to be married by 24. I'm going to own a house by 26. I'm going to have a job and fat car, fat ride. Not a fat wife, but just fat car, fat walk. And, and I'm going to have... Yeah. <laughs> and so, well, some of you might have said that. I don't know, but... I, <laughs> I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere with this, all right? Hang with me. When I, before, I, before I even went into ministry, I, I, my plan, my plan for life is I was going to become an airline mechanic. That was my, my purpose. That was my plan. My parents would always say, son, why don't you think about going in, into ministry? I was like, heck no. There ain't no money in ministry. Shoot, I've seen the pastors we grew up with. Those guys are broke. I want, I, you know, I want a nice living. I want a house. I want a car. I want, you know, I want something, Mom and Dad. You know, God's all right and all that stuff. So I was going into the Air Force. I had, t- I had gone to my ASFAB test. I had taken, you know, where you take it and figure out where your giftings are. When I took the test, they figured out that my, my, my number one score was around 90, I think it was about 96, 97% in mechanical, working with your hands. And so... Airline mechanic was it. I'm going to the Air Force. I'm going to work on airline, air, airplanes. And then when I'm done, I'm going to go, go to a private company and I'll work on airplanes. And you know what? We'll be good. I love working on things. Always love to take things apart. I could never put them back together, but I love taking them apart. I wanted to know how they worked. And so my lowest score was in communications. Score was 33% in communications. And my, my, my recruiter told me this. He goes, you could choose anything you want to do in the mechanical field, but there's no way, no way you will ever find a career in anything that has to do with communicating or speaking. <laughs> you will never get a job in anything that has to do with public speaking. Some of you are like, Pastor, you should have listened to him. We don't understand a thing you say sometimes. (laughs) I had a plan. God had a purpose. I had a plan. God had a purpose. Your plans may be good, but God's purposes will prevail. And so I need you to under, come on, somebody give God praise. The beauty of this thing, what's so awesome about this is this, is that even your ignorance or your past will not cancel out God's purpose for your life. Oh, come on, somebody say amen. The beauty of God is that our ignorance nor our past can cancel God's purpose. The Bible says, for he works all things. Everyone say all. All All things. Come on, all things. All things. God works all things for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, you know what? God must have got that scripture wrong. I know all the other ones are right, but he had to have got that one wrong. How do I know that? Because how 
Does your divorce become good? How, do, how does that addiction become good? Now, follow me, somebody. How, how does that sickness, that cancer, become aneurysm, become good? How does that homeless situation become good? You following me? That, that, God, you had, God will work. Oh, you guys are slow, but you're worth waiting for, okay? God will work. God will work. God will work. All things. The homeless situation, the aneurysm, the sickness, the divorce, the car accident. God will work all things. Not one, all things. Not just the good, all things. Not just the bad, all things. Somebody say all. Somebody say all things. You need to prophesy to yourself right now and say, even what I'm going through right now, even when I feel like God's turned his back on me, my God will work all things. All things. He doesn't cause all things. He's a good God. Didn't cause the divorce. Didn't cause the sickness. Didn't cause the aneurysm. Didn't cause the addiction. Didn't cause the homelessness. But I will redeem it. I'll take your test and turn it into a testimony. And I'm going to take those things in your life and I'll take that defeat and turn it into a victory. That's who my God is. All things. Somebody shout all things. So this is where we get to, though. I want you to recognize that we as a people have an issue. It's called short-term disease. We, We are in such a microwave society, we want everything now. These young couples get married and they want what their parents took years to get immediately. I want everything my parents have now. We go to the drive-thru at McDonald's, and if they take 30 seconds or more, you're freaking out. Where are these people? What's going on? You ain't got nowhere to go. You get on the road. You honk at people in front of you. You're mad that you got stuck at the light. You get home, and then you sit on the couch and watch TV. Where are you going? What are you in a hurry for? Proverbs 29, Proverbs 29, verse 18. uh, There's three versions of the same scripture on the screen for you, okay? We apologize for the screen. Uh, They're doing a play, and so they they tied up the old screen, and so we'll be like this for this week and next week, but we'll get it back together, and I apologize. It's kind of hard to see the top. I don't know if we could turn any of those down, but let me read the top one to you, okay? First one is in the King James Version. It says this, where there is no vision, people perish. How many have heard that before? How many agree with that? Where there's no vision, people perish. Secondly, it's an NIV version says this. Where there's no revelation. Everyone say revelation. Revelation. Where there's no revelation or understanding, people cast off restraint. That's good. Okay? You don't have a vision. You don't have revelation. You're going to start. You're not going to have anything holding you back. New Living Translation says this. When people don't accept divine guidance... They run wild. You know, it's funny when people come to my office asking for advice, but they already know in their mind what they're going to do, and they just want me to bless their sin. 
I'm, you think I'm kidding. We go, yeah, Pastor, I'm thinking about, you know, I'm thinking about leaving my wife, you know, met this other young lady that's, uh, you know, she treats me much better. My other wife, my, my wife's not very nice to me. Like, dude, are you serious? I mean, it, it's just, it's amazing the way people operate and the way they think. You see, because we have no vision. We have no revelation. We have no ability to take divine guidance from God. What am I talking about? You see, the Spanish Bible actually puts it this way. Some Spanish version says, where there's no vision, they run around like wild horses. If you take a look at the Olympics on the, in, the, in any of the, the uh, relay races, there are lines on the track. And if you run outside the lane, you're disqualified. You have to stay in your lane. What keeps you in the lane is your vision. It's the end goal. And so while you're running, I'm running and I'm recognizing this. These lines are not there to, to, to tell me where to go. These lines are to keep me qualified. And so I'm running to make sure I'm still on track. And the problem is this. When you don't have vision for your marriage, your eyes are going to be running off on other women over there. When you don't have vision for your finances, you'll be running out of your lanes, buying everything on sale. You'll be buying things you don't need to impress people you don't like for things you can't afford. (laughs) Trying to compete with the neighbors next door and they don't even have a clue who you are. They drive up in a Mercedes, so you have to go trade the Toyota truck in for a Mercedes as well. They don't give a rip what you own. But you're the one stuck with the payments. My, my, my. You see, we have caught a disease called short-term thinking disease. It's what I call the Esau spirit. Esau spirit wants things now. Esau sold his birthright and he wanted it now. He wanted something to satisfy his need now. There were no thoughts of consequences, no regard for what tomorrow brings. And what ends up happening, the I want it now mentality gives no thought for the consequences. And so we end up, we see individuals trading in a great marriage just for a little nookie nookie on the side. They have have the little fun, but they forget, how is this going to affect my family? You know what keeps me in line? You know the thing that I always, number one, I got a beautiful wife. She's smoking hot. I don't care if you clap because I'm clapping and standing and cheering in my heart right now. Because my wife is fine. I love her. She's my soulmate. But you know what keeps me in line is anytime I even think or anytime those, those thoughts enter in. Well, pastor, you let those thoughts enter in? Look at me. What keeps me in line is that I've learned throughout my what's kept my integrity intact is I have walked through the consequences. I have always taken time to maximize the penalties and minimize the benefits. Throughout my life, I've always taken a look at maximizing the penalties and minimizing the benefits. And what we do many times when we sin is that we maximize the benefits and we minimize the penalties. Or we don't even think about the penalties. So what I end up, what, in my mind, let me take you through the trip. So me, me, and this, me and this honey, we hook up, all right? 
And while we're driving out of the hotel, boom, I smash into a car. And when I smash into the car, I look up, and it's uh, my bishop from Antica. And Bishop's like, hey, who's that lady? Oh, she's just a friend. What, what are you guys pulling out of the hotel for? Oh, don't. I got to lie to him. Because I ain't going to tell him the truth. Oh, don't judge me. You wouldn't either. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I just took her inside right there. Me and her, you know. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. So I got to lie to him. Okay? Then, all of a sudden, when I, when I leave, she lets me know that, oh, by the way, get yourself checked out because I think I have HIV. Oh, yeah, that caught some of your attention, huh? You like the nookie-nookie part. You don't like anything about the HIV, huh? The truth comes out, and now Bishop's like, hey, man, what's going on? What's happening? Now I have to come before my church, and I have to tell you, the people I minister to week in and week out, who you trust in my integrity, that you know that I'm hearing from God, and not only hearing from God, but I'm also making sure that I'm living the life that I'm preaching, have to stand before you and say, forgive me, because I sinned. And I have to walk away from the ministry that we've built. I have to walk away the family that I've known for the past 12 years. That I have to walk away from you and I have to let, let my ministry go, hand it on to someone else because I failed. But that's not even the worst part. I have to now get my girls, my daughters, my, my, my loves, my lives, and I have to bring them before me. And I have to bring my daughters in front of me and I have to kneel down before them and beg them for forgiveness because their dad was so short-sighted and short, so stupid that he traded a moment of passion for the, uh, the greatest marriage that, that a man could ever have and have to look at my daughters and cry and tell my, my daughter Jazz, tell Jacqueline, I'm sorry daddy blew it and I have to go away for a little while. That's not even the worst part. I have to now go before this woman that has loved me unconditionally for the past, in the 18th of this month, will be 23 years. And have to look at my wife and tell her, babe, I was so stupid. I blew it. To kneel before her and ask her forgiveness. Oh, man, I'm getting emotional. I I ain't even done nothing yet. And as much as I love her, that wouldn't even be the worst part. Then having to kneel down before my God and apologize to my God and repent before my God for my failure. Could never get her trust back. The, the Esau spirit is alive and well. And if you don't have purpose... If you don't live with purpose, it's easy to get off track and you you just run after whatever's the brightest and the loudest and the prettiest and you end up running after these things. But do you realize you each have a purpose? There is a purpose that you were designed for. And every one of you, God has created you with the purpose, with that design. And I want you to, this is old school, I mean really old school, but I need you to understand something. When we get get rid of the biblical standard, we end up sleeping with people that have no no biblical standard whatsoever or design. We speak out in regard with... 
We, we speak out of our mouths with no, no love filter. We just start saying whatever we feel like saying. And we end up in the situation when the I want it now mentality begins to destroy things. So what am I saying? That there's an old saying that says this. That sin will take you farther than, you're will, than you want to go. Keep you longer than you're willing to stay. And cost you more than you're willing to pay. Every sin will take you farther than you were willing to go. Keep you cost you more than you're willing to pay and make you stay longer than you're willing to stay. It's just the truth. We don't think about those things, but we do it. So what am I talking about? This is what I'm saying this morning. Vision equals purpose. Vision equals purpose. So if you keep focus, you have to stay in your lane and stay on point. We got to stay in our lanes. We got to run. We got to stay on track. You got to have a vision. You got to have a purpose. What's your end goal? Where are you running to this morning? What's the plan that God has for your life? This is what this series is all about. That's what I'm here to do is try to give you a goal, something to run to. I need some of you this morning to recognize it's not just getting out of debt. It's not just having owning your house free and clear. But there is a purpose beyond your job that you were created more for than to just go to a job, work a job. You were created for a purpose. Let me explain it this way. God always starts with the end. So what is purpose? Let me, let me show this. We didn't show this last Sunday, but let me show this uh, to you for a second, okay? Excuse me. God always starts with the end in mind. This is what purpose is. Purpose is the end that started the beginning. So you're asking right now, Pastor, what's my purpose? It's the end that started your beginning. Secondly, not only it's the end that started your beginning, but it's the finish before the start. See, you don't... Have you ever noticed you'd never see people line up for a race without knowing where the finish line is? You always know. What are we running? We're running the 100. What are we running? We're running the, four, the four, 400. The Olymp- you know before you line up how far you're running. You know where the goal is. And yet many of us are running all over the place and we have no clue where we're going. You have to have a goal. And purpose is the finish line before we start, the finish before the start. It's the destination before the journey. You don't just get in a car and drive. Where are we going? No, I'm going to Disneyland. And so we pack up. We get our ears ready. We get ready for the long line, sunscreen. If you're going to the beach, hey, I'm going to put on my shorts. I'm going to have my boogie board. I'm going to make sure I got sunscreen. Wherever we go, depending on where you're going, you're going to prepare for the trip. And so you can't be prepared if you don't know where you're going. It is the final address for your life. It's the reason for your birth and existence. So last Sunday, we went over the first question of the five questions. That was this. Why am I? Why am I talks about this. It talks about the question of identity. It's who am I? It's when we're trying to find out what we were, why are we here? It's the identity crisis that we all find ourselves in. That when you don't know who you are, you end up putting other people on. Armani, uh, Calvin Klein, Nike, when you don't know who you are, you need labels in order to identify who you are. We went over that last Sunday. You can get the CD on that. You were made not just by God, but you were made of God. Okay? Second question. Your purpose is is connected to your creator. But the second question is this. Where am I from? Now, as soon as I say that, every one of you, I'm from Texas. Everybody's from Texas. Especially if you're Hispanic. Everybody's from Texas. 
okay? I'm from Argentina. I'm from South America. I'm from South Africa. I'm from England. I'm from, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm from Samoa. I'm from the island of Tonga. No, that's not where you're from. This question of where, where am I from is not a matter of, it's not talking about ethnicity. It's talking about origin. You missed that. It's not talking, it's not a question of ethnicity. It's not what nationality I am. Because I need you to understand, it's not your nationality that makes you. Because in every one of our nationalities, there are things we're not proud of. There are things that are attributed to our color of our skin that are attributed to our character. And I need you to understand something, that your, your ethnicity is not your origin. Don't be so short-sighted. Your origin is not based on your ethnicity. It's based on where you initially came from. You did not come from mom and dad. You came from heaven. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm heavenly. You need to recognize it's not your, your ethnicity, it's your origin. See, God is your source. When God created you, he literally poured out a little of himself in you. Your source is God. God created you in his mind before you came about on earth. And so I need you to understand something this morning. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 7, verse 2, or chapter 2, verse 7, then the Lord formed, everyone say formed, the man out of the dust of the ground. Where did he form man from? From the dust, from the ground. He formed him from the dust and he breathed life into him, into man's nostrils. And the man became a living person. So God formed the shell and then he breathed life. Man was a spirit first because he created and he was created first inside of God. And then when God formed him in the man, then he blew man into him. Man wasn't dirt first and then became man. Man was spirit first that then took on a body. When your body dies, your spirit will go on forever. Do you understand? This is just where we're hanging out, where we're on earth. But you have a spirit that will go on. And so let me, let me get you to recognize, God literally poured himself into you. Come on, man. Look, look at your neighbor say, God's in me. So, so let, let me, I, I need you to grab a hold of this. Look at your neighbor, tell him, God's in me. That means you can't act a fool. But let me say that again. That means you can't act a fool. Because if God's in you, God don't act that way. Look at your neighbor, tell him, he's talking about you. See, if God is in you, there has to be another standard. If God dwells in you, then you have to act a different way. Because it's not about me, it's about the God in me. You were not just made by God, you are made of God. God is your source. I need you to grab a hold of this. You see, you didn't originate from your mommy and daddy, you originated from heaven. And so you were created and made by God. And so you were created for dominion. He said in Genesis 1.26, let man have, come on, work with me, let man have dominion. dominion. What's that mean? It, man was never to have dominion over each other, 
But man was created to have control, authority, power. You were to be able to take over your environment, not let your environment take over you. You were created to dominate. Look at your neighbor and say, you don't know who you're sitting next to right now. <laughs> you were created to dominate, which means this. Listen to me. How many agree that you were created to dominate? That's part of your purpose, is that you were created to dominate your sources from God. Follow me on this, which means anything less than dominating, you're squandering your potential. You're wasting what God gave you. If you're not dominating, you're wasting what God gave you. So what am I saying? That if God poured himself into me, everything my daddy has, I get. Oh, that was a great place to go crazy, clap, but backflips and everything. Everything my daddy has, I get. And so when we think of father, some of us have a bad connotation because your earthly father wasn't good. In fact, when I meet with some of these NFL players and I get to the subject of father, every one of them so far, their father hasn't been a part of their lives. And so when you talk about father, they don't really understand that God is their father. When they think of father, they think of someone that's absent. But I need you to understand whether your father was good or whether your father was bad. God is a father that loves you. He created you and thinks that you rock. He poured himself in you. And so you have the stuff of God in you. So if daddy has it, guess what? You got it. Let your neighbor say, I got it. I got this. Let me explain this a bit deeper. Are you still with me? You see, when God created mankind, he creates the garden and he places man in the garden. The garden was the atmosphere. It was the environment that man was placed in. You see, the same way a fish cannot breathe outside of water or survive, the same way a bird can't really function outside the environment of the air, is the same way a plant can't survive outside of the environment, the dirt. You take man out of the environment called the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden wasn't the garden because of the plants. It was the garden because of the presence of God. When Adam sinned, the presence was removed. And he was pushed outside the garden. When he got pushed outside the garden, he placed an angel over the tree of life. Why? Not because God was upset at man. He was doing it to protect man. Everything God does is redemptive in nature. God doesn't act out of anger. He acts out of redemption. You're not hearing me this morning. And so when he pushes him out of the garden, he places an angel there. Why? Because if Adam eats in his fallen condition from the tree of life, he is stuck in that condition forever. He'll live forever in a fallen condition. But God loved mankind so much that he drew them out, drove them out to keep them from reaching the tree. To protect them so that they could be redeemed. But I need you to understand that once man stepped out of the presence of God, he had a hard time having dominion. He lost his ability to have dominion. He stepped out of the environment. What am I telling you right now? I'm telling you this. You're not an accident. You're not a knockoff. You're an original. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm an original. I got my label. I got my God label. See, <laughs> do you understand that when your mom and dad got together, whether you know them or not, 
when they got together, and I mean got together, you really don't need me to go any deeper than that, okay? If you do, then we could have a class to kind of instruct you at another time. But when they got together, your father literally released over 6 million sperm cells. 6 million potentials of you. In fact, you were swimming with all your brothers and sisters, and you guys were fighting over each other. One going up, under, over, stepping. You got you. You were moving. You were jamming. You were getting through the fallopian tube. You were looking for that egg. And when y'all found it, you hit that egg. And you started just digging in. Oh, this one's mine. This is mine. I want to live. I want to live. I want to live. You got to that egg. There are literally six million potential people that could have been you. Are, are, you fo- are you following this? You're not an accident. It wasn't Russia roulette. Literally, before the heavens were created, God said there's going to be one in six million that's going to come about. And that one is you. It's you. It's you. Look at your neighbor say, that's me. You won the first race you ever entered. Yeah. Some of y'all will never win another race again, but you won your first race. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. You're no accident. You won the greatest lottery in the world. Fight your way through. You're here for a purpose. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. Somebody say amen. Amen. You're you're not a knockoff. You're You're not a reproduction. You're a masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we could do the things he planned. The good things he planned for us. What? What? Long. Long, everyone say long ago. long ago. You were planned long ago. Care how you know, Pastor Nick talks about being 33 years old? Say he's a pup. I got underwear over 33 years old. <laughs> I'm wearing them too. <laughs> we're going to close right now, but before we do, I'm going to ask if I can get the ushers to help me with this. We're passing out something to you right now. Don't get happy. <laughs> so I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some of you are blessed right now. Pull out a little plastic bag at church. Everyone get all happy. You know we have church in the hood. <laughs> As they hand this out to you. Amen. As they hand this out to you. Third and final question for today is this. We're going to fly through this one. Worship team, if you could help me. Why am I here? Everyone say that. Why am I here? We've all all asked that question. Some of you are asking, why am I here right now? What do I come here for? I want to go home. Don't worry. You'll get you home. But you're here for a purpose. You're here for a purpose. 
Genesis 1, 28 says, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Everyone say fruitful. fruitful. Multiply. multiply. God created man to be fruitful and to multiply. You know, as a, as a kid, I used to hate those participation ribbons. You ever seen those? Little purple ones? Oh, no, those suck. Particip- that, that, thank you for playing. Did I win? No, but thank you for playing. It's like the kids when they have basketball games or football games and they don't keep score. What the heck is up with that? Well, we don't want them to feel bad if they lose. Well, what about letting the ones that win feel good about winning? Do you know that we're in this race to win it? Oh, but let's just compete. Let's just let everyone have a good time and just try to do our best. No, who won? God created us to have dominion. He created us to reign. Oh, you're not getting them, oh, Pastor. The little kids, though, you don't want them to get competitive. Yes, we do. Why do you think Jesus calls us more than conquerors? He doesn't call you more than participators. You hearing me? We were called to compete. Those that run the race, run the race as if you're winning. They'll run to win. Don't run to compete. At the end of this race, we're not going to get a thank you for participating. Brother, I'm getting a crown. It's going to say overcomer. God gave Adam dominion, sovereignty, royal power, and dominion. Fruitfulness is important to God in man's original design. God expects us to produce, folks. But it wasn't just to have kids. All right, some of y'all? You guys are so fertile, you shake someone's hand and they get pregnant. I stay away from some of y'all. I don't know if it affects affects men too. No, no, it's all right, bro. I'm going to say who, Cisco? Brother, three at a time. Who has three at a time, bro? Brother's blessed. God gave, God gave Adam dominion. <laughs> dominion. But that dominion to reproduce wasn't just to have kids. It was to take the environment of Eden... Have kids and have them move it to another place. Then to have more kids, take the environment of Eden and move it to another place. He says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Fill the earth with what? Not just with kids, but with Eden. The presence of God. You and I are carriers of the presence. And wherever we go, we bring Eden. We bring a perfect environment of growth. What are you holding in your hand right now? Not just a seed. What kind of seed? Apple seed. In fact, it's a Johnny apple seed. It's a certain kind. But let let me tell you something. This seed 
The fact, it's a seed. But the truth, it's a tree. The fact is the present condition of a thing. Can't argue, this is a seed. But the truth is the reality of a thing. Fact is the current condition. Truth is its potential or reality. So although I'm holding factually a seed, an apple seed, a Johnny apple seed, the truth is I'm holding a tree. Because in this, in this seed is the potential of a tree. But not just a tree. There's, this tree has fruit on it. And that fruit has seeds. And those seeds have trees. And those trees have fruit. And those fruits have seeds. And those seeds have trees. And those trees have fruit. And those have seeds. And those seeds have trees. And those trees have fruits. And those fruits have seeds. And those seeds, come on somebody, have trees. And those trees have fruit. And those fruits have... So the truth or the fact is, is I have a seed. But the reality is, is I'm holding an orchard. Can, can I take you a step further? I know you want to get up out of here. I'm going to get you out of here. Fact to seed. But for some of you, the truth is, I just gave you a career. What? I just gave some of you a million bucks. I just gave some of you the answer to world hunger. I just placed in your hand the ability to meet the needs of a nation that's starving. Why? Because if you don't have vision, all you see is a seed. But if you have vision and a little ingenuity, you buy some land, you plant a seed. That tree and its fruit, you take those seeds and you replant those. And it begins to grow and multiply. Now you have orchards. And now you're taking this fruit and you're handing it out to those in need. Not only can you make a business, but you can end world hunger with your seed. God gave Adam an assignment. But that assignment can't be fulfilled without the right environment. As I close, this seed will not grow without the right environment. Every one of you is an apple seed. Every one of you is a seed that has potential. Everything you need is in you right now. You don't need nothing else. You have everything in you already. Well, if I only had what they know, shut up. You don't need anything else. Everything you need is in you already. You're a seed. No, but if I live where, no, you have everything you need right where you are. Everything was created in you. You got the potential. The key is, 
Are you in the right environment? I throw this seed on the concrete, it's not going to become what it's created to be. But I put this seed in the right environment. Some of you need to get back out of the environment of concrete that you're in and get yourself in the right environment where you can start growing. The seed isn't going to grow at a bar. It's not going to grow with the homies. It's not going to grow at the business office with those immoral men and women. It's not going to grow in that environment of doubt and negativity. It's not going to grow in a place where you're not getting the word consistently. You are that seed. And why does God hate abortion? It's more than just the killing of a life. It's the killing of a seed. It's killing of generations that that seed carries. It's a killing of the potential that that seed has. It's a destroying of maybe the cure to cancer. A business. A family. Bow your heads with me. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at www.cwcsj.org.